seated. Back in the year of 1982, which is almost mucho, mucho years ago, uh, I received an invitation. In fact, an invitation that I wasn't expecting, an invitation that was quite a surprise to me. And in fact, an invitation I still don't know why I received it. I was invited, among, among others, I was one of about 30 youth pastors from across the nation that had been invited to a youth ministry symposium that was sponsored by Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Like I said, I still don't know why. I mean, like I said, there was only like about 30 of us there. I still don't know why I, I, how I got invited. I, I do, however, have two theories. My first theory is this. Lisa's cousin, whose name is David Tolles, was and still is a professor of what was then called Liberty Baptist College. He's been at Liberty University for 40 years, over 40 years now. And I figured maybe that's how I got the invite. In other words, it's not what you know, it's who you know, Okay. Uh, my other theory is this, is that the, the, the pa- youth pastor at Thomas Road at that time was a man by the name of Dave Adams, who had also graduated from Arlington Baptist College. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe a little nepotism there. There's another Adams that graduated the same, same uh, uh, undergrad degree, and so, so maybe that's it. Now, and again, I'm still not certain who invited me, but I am certain that not all invitations are equal. An invitation's value is not determined by the invitees. An invitation's value is determined rather by the host and the event of the invitation. Well, this morning's text is about an invitation. And the event is rest. Jesus speaks about it in verses 28 and 29. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The event that that Jesus is inviting them here to is rest. Rest for those who are weary. He's not talking about physical labor here. Uh, The the idea is is that of uh, those who 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 are laboriously searching for truth and relief from a troubled conscience. Again, Jesus is speaking to uh, his disciples here, and and uh, and and is in this time. In fact, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what that at that time means here in just a second. But but Jesus is 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 speaking here, and and uh, uh, he, he he is when you look at the context and, and the 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 rejection that's taking place, and all the all the the heavy burden and the labor that the that the Pharisees and 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 the how they had abused the the law and were using it to burden people instead of pointing people uh, to Yahweh. Uh, We we see the fact that that these these people were were truly uh, burdened and were looking and seeking for truth and relief from a troubled conscience. But it also talks about rest for those who are are burdened or uh, uh, who are heavy laden. And that's the idea. They're, they're They're burdened by their religious observances. They give no relief and also has the idea of the sorrows of life. So the heavy laden, burdened down and, and, and weary. But he also talks about rest for the totality of one's being. In verse 29 when he says, I will, uh, and you will find rest for your souls. Pesuke. It, doesn't, it can, can mean life, it can mean soul. It has the idea at times of the totality of one's being. That, that I can finally live and, and, and be in a state of rest, of rest. But this invitation 
is not primarily about an event. While rest is great, and rest is, is, is what our souls long for, rest is what our conscience longs for, and, and, and while all that is, is something to be prized and something to be, to be valued, yet what makes this invitation so unique, what makes this invitation so special, is that it's an invitation to a relationship. It's an invitation to a relationship with the one who makes the invitation. King Jesus, look at verse 28. He says, come to me. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at verse 28 again where he says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I... And I, it's a, the Greek word is a, contract, a contracted word there, like our word don't. It, it's the word kago. It's, it's a combination of kai, which means and, even, also, and, and the combination of ego, which means I. Let go of my ego, you know, you all remember. But, 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 but kai and, and ego, and, and, it's, and it's crammed together, and, and it's kago, and it has the idea of I or even I. You could translate it this way, where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, uh, heavy laden and I, even I, will give you rest. Will give you rest. Look at verse 29, when he says, For I am, I am gentle. And lowly in heart. And because I am gentle and lowly in heart, you will find rest for your souls. Rest is found in the discovery of his character. Rest is found in the discovery of his character. This invitation is certainly about some great event the event of rest, of rest. But it's also about an invitation to a person, King Jesus. We won't take the time to read there, but you can jot it down in Jeremiah 31, 25, and 26. It's not quoted from there, but yet it's implied. You see the the characteristics there. This invitation is sourced in the New Covenant. This is is something that that God had already spoken about through the prophet Jeremiah. But with all that, why are we here? Why are we at this point in, 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 in Matthew 11? Well, we're at this point because this section, Matthew 11, deals with the fact that Israel has rejected her king. She's rejected her king. In verses 2 through 19 of chapter 11, we see the evidence of the antagonism towards John and Jesus. John came uh, and lived a very ascetic life. And yet they, 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 they rejected him. Jesus came and he, he, he came in and lived a life and he, he, he identified himself with, with those who were in the deepest need of him. And they called him a glutton and a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners. Their antagonism towards John and towards Jesus. Verses 20 through 24 that we looked at last week, we saw the indifference to the king and his message of repentance. They could take or leave him. As long as Jesus was doing the miracles, as long as Jesus was healing the sick, 
As long as Jesus was uh, having these miraculous meals, man, he's, he's good to have around. But don't talk to us about repentance. And, you know, yeah, we, it, it's good to have you, but eh, we can kind of take you. We can kind of leave you. Well, the nation as a whole, especially the leadership, had failed to repent. Now the king calls or invites those individuals who will repent to separate their, themselves from Israel and come to him. Well, who did Jesus invite? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, which was the, the thrust of our call to worship. He invited those who will admit their dependence, verses 25 and 26. He invites those who will acknowledge his deity, verses 27 and 28. And he invites those who will accept his discipline, in verses 29 and 30. First, we want to look at the invited, the, the admission of dependence. In verse 25, it begins with the phrase, at that time. Matthew gives us an, an, an editorial comment here. It's not part of what Jesus says. And at that time, uh, that phrase can be loosely historical, which means that this, this could have followed right after Jesus pronounced these woes, and, and it probably probably did. But not, it doesn't necessarily have to do that, uh, do that. Matthew can be just bringing in something that would fit well with, with what's taking place uh, uh, in, 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 that, in that moment in time uh, and, and applying that truth there. But, but it also, it, it's tightly thematic. It, it indicates a, a change of subject. Jesus has been pronouncing the woes. He's been, he's been calling out those who refuse to repent. And now the subjects change. Instead of calling out those who refuse to repent... He's inviting those who, come, who will repent to come to Him. He's inviting those who will repent to enjoy the rest. So Jesus begins by praising the Father. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus begins by acknowledging God as the one who's relational. He's the Father. He's the Father. But He's also sovereign. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. So Jesus begins by, by acknowledging the fact, He praises the Father, that, that God is relational. God desires to have a relationship with His people, not because He needs to, not because He's, he's, he's uh, insufficient if He doesn't, but God in His goodness and God in His grace has chosen for those whom He's created to have a relationship with Him. So that not only is he relational, but he's sovereign. But he also confesses the Father's prerogative, because he is sovereign, the Father's prerogative regarding choice. He says, I, praise you, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The Father, because he's sovereign, has the prerogative to choose to whom he will reveal the truth to. And here we find in this context that he chooses not to reveal the truth to those who are self-sufficient. That's the idea of the wise and understanding. If you think you know it all, then, you don't, then, then you, there, there's nothing you can learn. You know, the, 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 best, the best profs that I had in, 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 in Bible college... Uh, I can think of, think of one or two in, 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 sem in both the seminaries I attended. The best profs that I had were the profs that said, we're here to learn as well. 
We're not the answer men. We're not the answer women. We know some things, but we also know that, 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 that we can learn from you. This just isn't a one-way thing going on here. That we learn from one another. And, 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 and I, I, think I, I, can, I can think of a couple guys right now that, that, that I highly respect. And, 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 and one of these guys has like two or three doctorates. And yet he would talk about the fact of, of how he learns, how he grows by seeing the fruit of the Spirit at work in the lives of other people and him being challenged and encouraged by that. The self-sufficient, the wise and understanding, they've got it all down. They know everything. It's one of the dangers of a theological education. You think you got it all down. You know, you think everything, you, you think you've got, it, it, I mean, these dumb people, you know, they don't know near what I know. God then chooses not to reveal to the self-sufficient, but look who He does reveal to. He reveals them to little children. There's a lot of characteristics that children have, small children have. But one of the things that we all know, that this is true of all little children, they're dependent. They're dependent. Uh, You know, my three-year-old grandson doesn't get up in the morning and say, Bye, Mom, I'm heading to work so I can put some food on the table today. He's dependent. Now, if he's 50 years old and still making that statement, you know, and, and, you know, know, but children are dependent. That's the nature of being a little child. They, 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 They learn, they grow, they learn how to talk, they learn how to dress themselves, they learn how to bathe, they learn how to feed themselves, they learn how to work, they learn how to, to, to all the different characteristics that there are in life. They learn all these different things and they're dependent. They're dependent. He confesses the Father's prerogative regarding choice. He also rejoices in the gracious benevolence of the Father's choice. Look at verse 26. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious Will. Now, now you, you may be thinking, well, that just seems unfair. That just doesn't seem right. But, but need I remind us this morning that God owes humanity nothing. He's God. He's sovereign. He owes humanity nothing. God is not unjust or unfair because He chooses to reveal His truth to some. His hiding displays His judgment. His hiding displays His judgment. And even in that, Scripture teaches us that He will graciously judge those according to their response to the truth that they have. His revelation displays His mercy. And the fact that He is gracious to anyone, that's what makes grace amazing. Not that God God is gracious, but that He's gracious to to anyone. Why in the world would God be gracious to me? 
as we were singing this morning, I, I, I was thinking about my failures this week and, and, and then thinking about God's mercy and grace and, and the things that, 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 uh, that Lisa and I have prayed for were, were seen happening. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, God, you, you, you've known, you, you, you've seen. My, my, my failures and, and, and my inconsistencies and, and my faithfulness, and yet your grace is still bestowed on me. Why? Why? Because that's who God is. He doesn't bestow grace because He's obligated to do so. He bestows grace because it pleases Him to do so. He is an amazing God. And in this context, the kind of person who's extended this invitation is even more incredible. You would think that God would extend grace to those who can really be big and big, be, be big servants for God. You would think that God would extend His grace to those who, are, who are, uh, have, have, have fine-tuned intellects. That, that He would extend His grace uh, to those who, who have uh, enough wealth to, to make a difference in, 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 in people's lives. And, and God does do that at times. But this invitation is extended not to the proud, but rather to the humble. He's revealed them to little children, the needy, those who admit their dependence. Those who admit their dependence. I read a journal article this week by David Pallison entitled A Man's Identity. And I sent it to all my kids, and I sent it to my Guatemalan kids, to Sammy and Pablo and Elizabeth and Cindy, I said, you got to read this. Let me just adapt from the article some and talk about, and, and by the way, it's, 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 it's a must read. Who are the dependent? The dependent are the poor and weak who need help. You know why you need help? You're poor and you're weak. You don't think you're weak? Think about your week this past week. Have any failures? Have you sinned? And did it take you that long to do it? We're weak. We're poor. We're not capable. We're needy, but but we don't want to admit that. Do you, Greg? Who are the dependent? Well, the dependent are, are those who recognize their, their waywardness and, and that they are recipients of the Lord's mercy. They, they are the sinful and forgiven. I am sinful. I am wayward, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I am prone to wonder. I am prone to, to go away from the Lord. But I am also I'm in Christ. 
I'm in Christ. Who are, who are the dependent? What does God call us? He calls us what? His children. Not as adults. I'm not an adult of God. I'm a child of God. And as a child, what do children need? They need patient and constructive parenting. You never get too old in the faith to say, I got it now, God. You know, you raise your kids to leave. You raise your kids to be able to get out and, and get on their own, and, and, and we do it different ways, but, but we raise them so that they can get out and get on their own and make a life for themselves so we can finally enjoy some time without the kids. Enjoy the grandkids, but without the kids, okay? But you never get that with God. We're always His children. We always need His patient and His constructive parenting in our lives. Because I'll never quite get it. Uh, I mentioned it in my prayer, and last night Bryson called me up, and he said, Dad, did you ever take any classes with Michael Spiegel when you were at DTS? I said, I said, I don't remember. I said, and I know he's a good teacher, and Bryson took one of the, DTS has some free classes, and he took the free class on, on, uh, on the covenants. And so we were talking about some things, and, and I just finished reading the book here last week on When the Kings Come Marching In, uh, which talks about uh, really, it, go, it talk about beyond, beyond the millennial kingdom. And, and, and we, we bo- he, he said, Dad, have, have you ever thought about this? And when he said, and I kind of finished his sentence for him, but, but in our glorification, somehow we get the idea that, that when we get glorified, that means bing, bang, boom, we're it. We know everything we need to know, and we, we, got, we got her down now. But Scripture doesn't seem to teach glorification that way. Glorification means that, that I'm, 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 I, I, all, all, the, all the remnants of sin have been sucked out of me. I'm no longer bound by sin. I'm no longer tainted by sin. But that doesn't mean that I still don't need to grow and mature. Listen, do you think that when you get to heaven you're going to have all the answers? None of us will. Because there, no one can fully understand and comprehend God. As I've said before, we have all eternity. And an eternity is not enough to understand the fullness of God. My first thousand years in eternity... I'll, I'll grow in my, my knowledge, in, in my worship, and in my understanding of God. I'm still, I'm, I'm, perf- I'm perfect. I'll not have all the, all the things that, 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 that weigh me down and pull me down in my growth, in grace. But I will continue to grow my second thousand years, my second million years in eternity. I'll continue to grow. I'll continue to learn. And I still would have just touched the garment of understanding of who God is. I will always be His child. Who are the needy? Those who are not strong enough to stand up to the troubles and threats and disappointments of life. They're called refugees. And Scripture tells us, the Lord is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. I'm a I'm a refugee. I'm not strong enough to deal with those things. The Bible calls me one of His sheep. And sheep need continual oversight. And sheep need continual looking out after. 
I'm not able to do this on my own. Scripture likens me to a slave. And I'm a slave who needs to be told what to do and how to do it. I can't figure it out on my own. I need someone telling me what to do and how to do. And, the, the, and, and Scripture also likens me to the bride of Christ. I, I'm part of the bride of Christ. And I, I am, I'm to be the submissive bride who needs the faithful, kind, protective, and generous husbanding of Christ. I need my husband to protect me and to be faithful to me and to be generous to me and to be kind to me as part of the bride of Christ. I need our groom to do that in my life and I need to submit. Submit to his, to his, to his kindness, submit to his faithfulness, submit to his protection, submit to his generosity, submit to his direction. That's what it means to be dependent. That's who the invitation is given to. It's given not to the wise, not to the understanding, but to those who see themselves and recognize the fact that they they admit their dependence. I'm a little child. I'm a little child. And I need Christ. But not only do the invited admit their dependence, but the invited also acknowledge Christ's deity. In verse 28, the king invites them to himself. We read it, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, who is the me? Who who is this king? Verse 27 reveals the identity of the king. After acknowledging the sovereignty of the Father, when he talks about, that, that he calls him Father, Lord of heaven and earth, and talks about the fact that he's, the Father has chosen to reveal them to the little children, to those who are not self-sufficient, but to those who are dependent. After acknowledging the sovereignty of the Father, he openly proclaims his own authority. Look at verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by the Father. Paredothe have been, hand, have been handed over. Not will be. Not in the process of, but have been handed over. It points back to eternity and the king's preexistence. The authority of the king is co-equal to the father. This is a claim of deity by Jesus. All things have been handed over to me by the father. What are the all things? What it means to be Lord of heaven and earth. Whatever it means to be Lord of heaven and earth has been handed over to Jesus. And it was handed over to Him back in eternity. King Jesus is co-equal to the Father in His authority. But there's also a uniqueness of relationship between the Father and Son. Look at again what He has to say. He says, All things have been handed over to Me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. The Son knows the Father fully. We won't, but He does. The Father knows the Son fully. We won't, but He does. There is a uniqueness of relationship between the Father and the Son. Part of what, when John, you know, when we say John 3, 16... 
For God so loved the world, most of us probably memorized it out of the King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that word only begotten is monogenes, one of a kind, unique son. And that uniqueness is the fact there is a unique relationship between the father and the son. And part of the uniqueness of that relationship is they know each other fully because they're both God. They're part of the Godhead. They're both God. In other words, not only has Jesus claimed for himself deity by, the fact, by claiming that he has co-equal authority with the Father, he's also claiming deity in the fact that he is co-equal in essence. Only God can fully know God. Human beings will never be able to fully know and comprehend God. That's what's going to be so exciting about eternity. I mean, if we knew everything we need to know, eternity would be pretty boring. But every day, and I'm not sure how that all works out. I'm not sure if we're going to sleep. I don't know. But every day, we're going to have an opportunity to get to know God more fully than the day before without having any sin entangle us. But the Father and Son know each other fully. There is a unique relationship between them. They are co-equal in essence and can be fully known by each other, which simply means He's God. So he claims deity by his authority. He claims deity in his essence. But he also claims deity. There is, there is, his, there is a co-equality is also demonstrated by the son's prerogative of choice and exclusivity. Remember, he said, the father, he says, Father, I pray that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. In other words, because He is Father, because He is Father and Lord of heaven and earth, because He is sovereign, He has the prerogative. He and He alone has the right to choose. But look at what Jesus says about Himself. He says, All things have been handed over to Me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him, the Father. And anyone that, whom the Son chooses to reveal. The Son decides. It's the word bow or bulomai. You might pronounce it balomai or bulomai. It's a purposeful, willful choice. Both Father and Son are sovereign in their choice regarding the revelation of truth and relationships. They're both sovereign. Why does the Son get to choose? Because the Father gets to choose. Why does the Father choose? Because He's Lord of heaven and earth. Why does the Son choose? Because He's co-equal with the Father. He's co-equal with the Father. But notice also, it's only the Son that can mediate the knowledge of the Father to humanity. He says, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Only He can mediate and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Only the Son. Because nobody knows the Father like the Son. The only one who does is the Spirit. Is the Spirit. And, and, and only the Son can mediate 
the knowledge of the Father to humanity through the Spirit. That's it. That's it. It's exclusive. It's exclusive to Him. Therefore, He's deity. And then that's when He says, Come to Me. You want to come to Jesus? You know, sometimes you hear people say, we had a come to Jesus meeting, you know. You want to come to Jesus? Well, then you're coming to the one who is co-equal with the Father in authority. You're coming to the one who is co-equal with the Father in essence. You're coming to the one who is co-equal to the Father in His sovereign choice and in His exclusivity. That's who's inviting you to come. And that's who He is. He's not this great prophet. He's not this guy that lived a good life for us to emulate. He's not just like any other person that's lived on this earth. He's Son of God, as we sang, and Son of Man. But He's God. He's God. Rest. He says, come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who is rest promised to? Rest is promised to those who acknowledge the deity of Jesus Christ. He is the sovereign of creation, co-equal to the Father, in essence, authority, and choice. Well, the final characteristic of the invited unpacks their day-to-day life. The invited are those who accept His discipline. Look at verses 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The individual, the invited, the individual makes the decision to place upon themselves the yoke of Christ. Now, I'm assuming you probably know what a yoke is. I, 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 I'm guessing you know what a yoke is. That's a yoke. No, not the, the brown and the black animal, okay? What, what's across them is the yoke. That's a yoke. It, it, two oxen together. And it's interesting. When the purpose of that is, is the, the one who drives the oxen. The oxen on the left is known as the nigh, N-I-G-H, the nigh oxen. And the nigh oxen is the dominant oxen. It's the oxen that the one who is using the oxen to, to get the, gets the fields plowed or whatever job he's doing. It, it's the nigh oxen. He depends upon that nigh oxen, the one on the left, to make sure that the one on the right is doing what it's supposed to do. The one on the right oxen is known as the off. <laughs> he's the off oxen. The one on the left is nigh. The one on the right is off. Guess which one you and I are? We're not the nigh. We're not the dominant one. We're the all. When this phrase is used figuratively, as Jesus does, it speaks of the restrictions placed upon us by Jesus. He's the nigh oxen. We learn from Him. As He submits to the Father, 
as he submits to the Father, as he did so in this life, and as he submits to the Father, we get in that yoke of oxen with him, and we're not the dominant one. He's the dominant one. We're off. He's nigh. And we learn from him. Three reasons are stated as to why we should make this choice to deal with the character of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. Why? So that you can learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. We learn how to be gentle or meek. It's the opposite of self-assertedness and self-interest. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who is in the form of God. It thought it not robbery to be equal to God. He chose to lay down His prerogatives of deity and live the kind of life that you and I are called to live in submission and in trust and in faith to the Father. It's, it's the opposite of self-assertiveness. It's the opposite of self-interest. We learn to accept God's dealings with us without disputing or resisting. Oh my goodness. I could park here for a long time. Not because of you, but because of me. Huh. How often when the nigh oxen is leading me this way. Nigh. <coughs> you know? I don't know if that's how oxen sound or not, but that's my best imitation, imitation of it. And I, I pull. I pull. I pull. I resist. I resist. I dispute. I dispute how he's leading me. And really it's going back to the one who's, 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 who's trying to accomplish something through us. But also, we learn how to possess humility of heart. For I am gentle, he says. This is what you need to learn from me. I'm gentle. That's the idea of meekness. That's the idea of being non-assertive, laying aside your self-interest. And I'm lowly in heart. Humility of heart. Humility of heart. We know what it is when we see it. And we know what it is when we don't see it. Just a humble heart. Someone who's not trying to make a name for themselves. Someone who's interested just in serving. How can I serve? I don't have to be recognized. I don't have to be up front. If you need me to wash a dish, I'll wash a dish. If you need me to scrub a toilet, I'll, I'll, I'll scrub a toilet. If you need me to do whatever, because Scripture says if you just give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, you're blessed and rewarded for that. But yet my flesh, I, I, I want my name up in light. I want to make sure that I'm known instead of Jesus being known. And the third reason is the benefit we gain living a life of rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. What am I learning? How to be gentle. 
how to be lowly in, in heart. And when that happens, I'll find rest for my soul. When my world is falling apart, I can still be at rest because I'm yoked to Jesus. I'm yoked to Jesus. When I'm hurting, and I wonder if things will ever change. Doesn't take away the hurt. Doesn't take away the tears. But I can't find rest. Because I'm yoked to Jesus. I'm yoked. When I sin, and when I fail, and when I'm ashamed and, and, and feel shame and I go to him and find forgiveness and I remind it of the shame I don't have to succumb to because Jesus not only died for my sins he died for my shame and guilt and I can be at rest I'm yoked to Jesus. I'm yoked to Jesus. Why in the world do I chafe against his yoke? Accepting the discipline of Christ's easy yoke. That phrase came as I, that's a phrase that Dennis Lavelle uses, one of our missionaries. If you read his, when you get his missionary letter or when we reread it to you or whatever, when he closes it out, this is how he closes it out, in his easy yoke. That's good. In his easy yoke. Accepting the discipline of Christ's easy yoke is not oppressive. Look at what he says. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's still a burden. There's still a yoke. But it's nothing compared what the writer of Proverbs had to say. Proverbs 13 and verse 15 when he says, Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. King James translates it this way. The way of the transgressor is hard. Is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Sin is always pleasurable for the moment, but it always, always ends up being hard. Always. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. See, Satan will give us, man, you can be free, baby. Free! And it looks good. Because who wants a yoke? I mean, who wants to walk around like this all day, you know? Always looking to your left. Okay, which way do we go now? And Satan says, you can be free. And it looks good. Freedom looks good compared to a yoke. But that freedom always leads to slavery. And that yoke always leads to freedom. Always leads to freedom. 
Jesus still invites. He still invites. He's still inviting today. How can I know if He's inviting me? Well, are you willing to admit your dependence? Are you willing to admit your dependence? Are you willing to accept His discipline? Are you willing to acknowledge His, His deity? Recognize your need of the Savior. Recognize that without Jesus Christ, you have no hope of pleasing God. No hope. You can, if we had these church doors, if we had a service every day, 24-7, 365 and 366 every four years on leap year, that still would not be enough to gain God's favor. You could write a check, Brother Denman gave me today, a million dollar bill. I said, you know what, I'm, I, I, in, in my sinful flesh, here's what I thought about doing today. I thought about putting this in an offering envelope and putting it in the back and just to see what the trustees would, Judy, just to see what you all would do when you, you say, somebody give a million dollar bill today, you know? But I was a little disappointed that I didn't do it. But, you know, but, 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 but still, you know, I, I had to preach. Not after, you know, after I get done preaching, no, 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 okay. And I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but he invites us. Okay, you know, we have to admit our dependence. Our dependence upon him. I can't, I could, if that million dollar bill would go, <laughs> if that million, I told you I was about 45 seconds behind on my brain waves today. If that million dollar bill was truly genuine, and if I gave that today, and that's all that I had, that still wouldn't be enough to gain me God's favor. God's favor only comes through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I admit my dependence. Without Him I have no hope. And I have hope because He is God. He's man, but He's also God. And I come and I, I, and I, 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 come and I confess my sin. I, I repent and put my faith and trust in Christ. And in doing so... his child. But not only does he invite those who don't know him, he invites those of us who do. Are we living our lives in dependence? Or have we gotten, as I used to hear, you gotten too big for your britches? Are we living our lives in dependence? Are, are we acknowledging his deity? He's, he's God and I'm not. I'm not. He gets to make the choices. I'm called to submit to those choices. And I'm, am I willing to get in His yoke and let Him be nigh? And I'm off. And allow Him to teach me what I need to learn in the easy yoke of Jesus. Admit your dependence. Acknowledge His deity. And accept His discipline. Because His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. And you will find rest for your soul. Let's go to the Lord.
Father, we do thank you for today and we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and graciousness to us. Help us, Father, to yield to you today. And in doing so, Father, find rest. For those who are battling a spiritual war right now, and rest is something they're looking for and longing for, but just can't seem to find. Father, I pray that you would help them to go to Christ. To put themselves by repentance and faith in His easy yoke. We thank you, Lord, for your work of grace today. And we praise you and give you all the honor and glory. For we pray these things in Christ through the Spirit. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as you know, we don't have an altar call, but we do have an invitation. We want to invite you today to respond in a positive way to the Word of God today. Just ask God, God, let your Word be planted in my life and that it may bring forth fruit. That, that's at least the place to start. You may not. You, you may be trying to. You're, you're struggling, or you're you're thinking. You're working through some things. The place to start, Lord, just let Your Word I, 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 help me to submit to it today, and 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 let it work in my life today. Others, you, God is the Spirit of God is zeroing in. Whether you need salvation, or whether there's an area of your life you're you're trying to get out of the yoke. Whatever that need is, we invite you to, to speak to God today. And if it's something that you need prayer with or questions about, our elders, we have our elders, we have women in the church as well that can help you, can pray with you, can minister to you. We're going to go to the Lord in a time of silence, and then after a time of silence, we'll continue our service. Let's go to the Lord in time of silence. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that is ours in Christ. We ask now, Father, your blessings upon your word today that, that it's uh, the seed that's been scattered today would find good soil and bear forth fruit in our life. Thank you for who you are and for what you're doing. Thank you for the person and work of Jesus Christ. We ask now, Lord, your blessings upon each one here. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity of being in your house today. We ask now, Lord, your continued blessings upon the remainder of our service. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. For we pray these things in Christ's name through the Spirit. 
we're going to, before we have our benediction, we want to have the time to uh, celebrate Jalen's life. Uh, we, if you, we encourage you to stay if you, if you need to go. We understand, but 